Hi everyone, you are listening to LD Spotlight, a podcast about learning and development brought to you by Nifty Learning. I'm your host, Liz Stefan, and together we're here to learn about LD. Thanks for joining us once again, Lavinia. For today's conversation, I've prepared something that I also know is quite important to you as well, specifically managing up for LD, how to showcase value in the business, how to speak to stakeholders. Where does L&D fit in the business's ecosystem? Very happy to be here again. And it's definitely a subject close to my heart. As by nature, I'm a person who always seeks impact. So yeah, an interesting subject. Let's start with a bit of the basics. Where is L&D situated now in the company hierarchy, let's say? And how is its value perceived in the business? Yeah, it's very different, I think, from company to company, both when it comes to hierarchy and when it comes to value perceived from the business. So I would say there are two really... Extremes, maybe? Extremes, yeah. One is the L&D function that has no contact with the business and it's only an executant of what the business asks from the function and the other extreme which i hope everyone here listening is in is the business partner the lnd function that's close to the business that understands the business model everything about the company and Moreover, the company understands the added value that the L&D function can bring to a business and uh, not only understands, but acts accordingly, you know. Obviously, if you're in L&D and you're in the good example, the business understands your value, you know how to speak to the business, you can do stakeholder management, you know how to ask the right questions and everything. That's awesome. Definitely. But what if you're an L&D professional and you're in the negative, let's say, or disadvantaged scenario? What are the factors that play a role in this negative perception? Why is L&D where it is in that place? Why does it have a, a low perceived business value? I can think of three things right now on the top of my mind. One, it's really hard to prove the L&D value, you know? So I think that not trying in any way to prove our value might bring to that scenario. So that is one factor. Another one is that as L&Ds, I like to say that we speak the learning language, but we also have to learn how to speak the business language, learn how to use those terms that executives use, that managers use in other functions which are close to the end client of the business. So that's the second factor. And the third one, I think, is that, well, some businesses might not care that much about formal learning. You know, they actually put a lot more value to what happens informally when it comes to knowledge sharing and they actually don't care that much. The L&D function is just there to be there and to have some things for its employees, but they don't put an emphasis on actually, you know, learning and having a learning culture. So it's more like just in case I need L&D, not part of the plan, let's say. So essentially, out of these three factors, the first one, knowing how to prove your value and the fact that L&Ds don't speak business language, this 
depends more than anything on the L&D professionals. Yes. Then the third one, the fact that some businesses don't really put too much emphasis on formal learning, that depends more on the business culture, right? Yes, yes, I would say so. Yeah, there are definitely other factors, but these three are right now on top of my mind. How can L&D improve its image and assert its relevance in the business? Let's say, for example, you're in a company where you're in the third scenario, right? The business doesn't necessarily understand the value of L&D. It's more viewed as you guys execute whatever I tell you, but don't come knocking on our door and ask us too many questions. How can actually L&D become part of the conversation and improve its image? Well, as long as we have a chance to do that, I think we should do our best, you know? I have to start with the second factor I just mentioned, which is speaking the business language and even more, join the business conversation. Don't have a separate thread about L&D programs and forget to link them with what the business actual needs and the business projects, the revenue streams, what cost optimizations and so on. When you reach that, I think it's a sweet point when you get to link what you're doing as an L&D to what the business thread is, the business conversation is at one point in its life, you know. And I think that when you actually start doing that, people will start paying attention. And when people start paying attention and they start being aware of the added value you can bring to the table, they will hopefully ask more of it. They will demand more of the L&D function. And I honestly think that that's a great scenario to be in. And I assume that once people start paying attention to you, obviously you should have a quick win or a quick resource at hand to show the impact, right? Some analytics, some measurement, something like that? Yeah, you should definitely have that. Even though the business is not asking for it, honestly speaking, we're all humans. We don't want to work for nothing. We want to see that we have some impact in the world and our world is the organization and our end users are our colleagues, the employees of the organization. And you should be curious to see if people are growing, essentially, and you should have that at hand when they start demanding more of you, or you should move quickly to have historical data or something like that. Just going back a little bit to the point you made about joining the business conversations, I have this nagging feeling that it's sometimes just easier for LNDs to not go there. Yeah, it's hard. It's actually hard. Right. I think we talk a lot about what we like. It's actually how our brain works. We don't want more cognitive load, you know, we want less. That's how our brain works. And it's exactly like asking someone who has no relation to facilitation or training delivery to just go there and be that trainer or facilitator. It's going to be hard, you know, and it's the same thing for us. Most of us, I would say, not everyone, obviously, haven't had the chance to gain the knowledge people in sales or customer operations or so on have. So it's not an easy conversation. 
but it's interesting. You know, it's the fun side of L&D. So it uh, adds more value to us as L&D professionals, I think. Actually enables you to contribute. Yep, definitely. Moving yourself to what the business wants and needs and understanding the terms and speaking the lingo and even to the level of being able to laugh at some inside jokes related to whatever business topic. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Is it fair to say also that there's a courage component to being an L&D professional? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think there is definitely a courage component to not being an L&D professional, but trying to be a good L&D professional, one that actually brings value. Yes. So come out of your shell, get out of the L&D team's office and actually go to the, go to the shop floor and speak to the people. Yeah. So how does L&D sell to the business when it discovers a need? For example, when you want to implement a new, I don't know, LMS, LXP, some new technology, or when you're trying to push a new learning program? Well, I think it's similar to any other sales process because they are the end customer, honestly speaking. And what you have to do is, well, put yourself in their shoes, you know, think about what would be their perceived value. And I think it's really important to not fall into the trap of thinking one-sided. The important thing here is the outcome and impact of the LMS, LXP, or any other L&D program you're selling, not that you are busy doing stuff as an L&D. So it's great that we put all the work into it, but that's less important for our end customer and what's important like cost optimizations, like added value in the revenue or to speak in some HR terms like employee retention and engagement, you know. So yeah, you should do that. And there's actually a great tool I've learned and relearned over the last year, which is the so-called pre-mortem. And what you do is think about all the questions you might get from the business or objections. Think about all the objections you might get and try and answer those questions and come up with arguments for each of those objections so you can actually go really prepared to the meeting or call. Obviously, you need to prepare by just anticipating potential objections, right? So what are they going to ask me? What are they going to think about this? What could they use to refuse this proposal or to say that it doesn't have enough value and then try to bring those things out and highlight them even from the very beginning, right? Yes, yes, exactly. On the flip side of this, so not when L&D is trying to sell to the business, but when the business actually comes to L&D and asks for help with a specific need. Yeah, I think this is a common scenario, actually. The business is so tempted to come to you with a solution. So I wouldn't say that they come to you with a need. They come with the problem and with the solution, they do your job, honestly speaking, which is great. You would say it's great, but it's actually not because they have a preconceived notion that they've already spotted the problem and they already know how to solve it, which is 
sometimes, most of the times, a trap. And what we should do as LNDs is definitely not fall into that trap because what we should do is put this consultant hat and start asking questions to clarify the problem. And when you start asking questions, you first discover that the solution that the business proposes is not the right one. And sometimes, actually, the problem they have perceived is not the right one. You know, there's a deeper problem you together should be starting addressing, you know. And I think this exact process is the added value that L&D brings. And unfortunately, some companies miss This consultancy aspect, right? Yeah, exactly. This consultancy aspect, because some companies just ask L&D to execute and it's a huge missed opportunity. And this is the case because even though the business knows itself very well, with all honesty, they don't know learning, you know, specifically adult learning principles and how they apply in the workplace to maximize impact. And I think that's why it's so important for the L&D side to ask the right questions and for the business to stick to the facts and let L&D do what it knows best. Yeah, do what it does best, yeah. Let's say you've put your foot in the door and you finally managed to click with the business for this one project or for this one business problem and things are starting to have a positive outlook. How does an L&D team or person or department continuously prove its relevance to the business? How do you make this habit stick? I'm going to recap two things I've already mentioned. And the first one is the process I already mentioned earlier and do this consultancy process repeatedly. And on top of that, I would say investing in analytics and L&D measurement and moreover, not keeping that to yourself sending impact data back to the business to show the added value of what you're doing. So always keep that consultant hat on and gather the data and feed it back to the business, right? Look, guys, this is what you were talking about. This is how we address the problem measurably. Yep. You can see the improvement or you can see the outcome. Yes, yes, exactly. So since LND has the capability to influence business outcomes, or ideally it, it should be in a position to do that. Does L&D also have a say in business decisions or should it? Like they don't know about learning. We don't know about other stuff business related, you know, like sales. So I don't believe that we should have a say in business decisions. But in my opinion, L&Ds should be there. They should be there because they need to be aware of the business plans for the next year, next three years, or I don't know, next five years, and so on, because they have to anticipate if, I don't know, do we have the competency to do that? Do we have skill gaps we should close? And how can we plan ahead? And I really think we should reinforce the idea that L&D is there to offer its support in business growth and that's one way we can do that to be there to be at the table and know the plans beforehand and actually plan ahead don't be surprised by 
having a failed business-related project because of a lack of competency or skills. Very interesting. I'd love at some point to also explore how L&D can do this planning. How do you plan for a year, for example? Maybe for EMAG, what is, in your opinion, the ideal structure of a plan for L&D? When do you start the conversation? Who do you speak to? How do you identify the gaps? How do you plan for them? How do you decide what kind of content is needed when, where? Yep, definitely. would love to talk about that as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lavinia, for your time. You're always, always very insightful. And I really love the way you give actionable advice. I especially love the pre-mortem advice. I'm looking forward to hearing you in the next episode. Thank you for having me. And I can't wait to get back. Thank you so much for being with us today. This has been another episode of LD Spotlight. If you'd like to get in touch and join the conversation, write to me at liz at niftylearning.io or connect with me on LinkedIn at Liz Stefan. Have a productive week, everyone. <laughs>